1: It's a brand new week here at Georgia Public Broadcasting uh, in Midtown Atlanta. That is, if you are listening to us in real time, if you're listening to us on the podcast, then who knows what day it might be, which is one of the interesting things about podcasting. Um, whatever you're doing, live or on the podcast, we're really happy that you're here today for Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nigut. Uh Got a lot to talk about today. Let's introduce, oh, before we introduce the panel, I want to do this before Tom Faust wags a finger at me from the control room and says, don't forget Augusta. (laughs) We are going to be in Augusta, Georgia on Monday night, August 12th, doing our show in front of a live audience. We'll record it for Tuesday's Political Rewind, August 13th. We're going to be at the Jesse Norman School of the Arts. And uh, we'd love to have you come out and join us uh, for that show. This is going to be like our sixth remote around the state of Georgia in the last year. And we're really glad we're finally getting out to Augusta. Jim Galloway, you're going to be with us out there. Great. Yeah, that's worth the drive. Uh, Harold Jones, uh, legislator from that community, is going to be with us. He's first panelist, aside from you, that we've uh, confirmed uh, are going to join us. So just go to to politicalrewind.org. You'll find a link where you can sign up for your free ticket. And uh, do it now, because typically toward the end of the uh, time before we go out to a given city, uh, seats get a little bit harder to come by. We'd like to have you join us. Uh, Jim Galloway is here. He's the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper. And you continue, Jim, to get up especially early every morning so that you can compile the Political uh, Insider blog, which is, of course, part of AJC.com. Over a couple cups of coffee. A couple cups of coffee. (laughs) 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 Thank you for being here, of course, Jim. Across from you, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, uh, is uh, Darshan Kendrick, state representative from Atlanta. Hi, Darshan. How you doing?
2: I am good. Now, I, even though I was born in Atlanta, remember I represent Lithonia and Stonecrest. Uh,
1: oh, thank Stone you. Thank you. People will DeKalb get... County. I am yes. so East sorry. De-
2: and Gwinnett County. East DeKalb and yeah, South Gwinnett.
1: I apologize. <laughs> I I really apologize. Thank you for thank you. Uh, the correction. Julianne Thompson is with us. Julianne Thompson is a longtime activist in uh, state Republican politics here in Georgia. You used to be an official in the state party. Now you've moved on to bigger and, and better things, And You were just named... To the National, is it Advisory Council, Women's Advisory Board? How do you describe it exactly? The
0: National Advisory Council, or National Advisory Board for Women for Trump.
1: For Trump. And you were at a big meeting in Pennsylvania (laughs) in which you all got together to talk about what?
0: It was the rollout for the Women for Trump coalition headed up by Laura Trump. Uh, we We announced our advisory board. There's about 25 to 30 of us on the initial advisory board. And there were over 1,000 women um, in the audience. And, in fact, the, the fire marshal had to close it off and not let anyone else in. And everyone else had to watch from outside because it was so packed with, with women. And the excitement was, was just overwhelming.
1: You uh, are going to, though, despite that role... I know you, you will continue to look for ways you can get Republican women to run for office Absolutely. in the state of Georgia. I guess.
0: Absolutely. That's one of my primary goals.
1: Okay. Mine too. <laughs> Eric, that It's Eric <laughs> Tannenblatt who just said that. Eric, of course, is a longtime uh, strategist and a fundraiser for Republican candidates up and down the ticket from candidates for president like George H.W., George W. Bush, Mitt Romney. He worked with Paul Coverdale back in the day when Paul was first a state senator and then ran for uh, federal office, national office, and um, you are the head of government relations for, yes, Dentons. We talked about the show uh, this on the show on Friday. It's not like we have some special deal with your firm, it's just you, Eric, and a couple of your colleagues have managed to rope in all of the best political thinkers in the state, so you end up on our show, and you're Democrats and Republicans. Correct. Correct. Yeah.
3: yeah. All right,
1: so let's get going. Um, a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about uh, the a little bit about how the Trump story of last week has found its way into a couple of incidents here in Georgia that were troubling, and, and I think said a lot about the way in which we are on edge with each other here. But but we talked a lot about Trump last week. Let's start with uh, news that is closer to home here in Georgia, Jim. NBC released a SurveyMonkey poll that they conducted in states across the country, and they did in Georgia. SurveyMonkey, as you know, is an Internet polling of, uh, tool, which means that it's not quite as accurate as a telephone poll, what we call a telephone coincidental poll. This poll, ha- although it has well over 1,000 people, there are no screens for things like likely voters. It's just a general right, sample. Right. So mm-hmm. we do have a couple caveats, right? Right. Nevertheless, it does give us, I think, some kind of interesting information. Uh, you want to go over some of it? If I throw some yeah, things yeah, out? Yeah, toss out the numbers. Sure. All right. And, and then I'll uh, ask everybody to uh, uh, join in as we uh, go through mm-hmm. some of the numbers. I was interested in the fact... Let, let me talk about the um, public policy aspects of the poll, and start with this. Here's the actual question. In 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision established a woman's constitutional right to an abortion, at least in the first three months of pregnancy. Would you like to see the Supreme Court completely overturn Roe v. Wade or not? 37% said yes. Much bigger number, 59% said no. Now, um... Jim, they did not ask the question about the new abortion law here in no, Georgia. No, they did not,
4: and that and that's uh, that's, uh, that's that's got to be you got to consider that a failing uh, because because what we're talking about is a as House Bill 481 as a which which would uh, bar it would require women to uh, carry to term after after six weeks or less or more, uh, and. So it doesn't get to specifics. That's a question that what you read was a question that's been asked since 1973. Yeah. And... And it doesn't get at the, the the kind of the tactics that are being used right now uh, to to get a case before the Supreme Court.
1: Yes, but it does, in fact, speak to the fact, Eric Tannenblatt, that what the supporters of, of uh, 481, the abortion law passed in Georgia, have said all along is they were aiming to get before the Supreme Court where they hope the court will overturn Roe. This poll... It, it tracks with a lot of others that show that overturning Roe isn't as popular in Georgia as uh, people might think.
3: Yeah, and and I think as as Jim said, the way the question is worded, would you like to see the Supreme Court completely overturned? Yeah, and I, I think that you know you really can't get an accurate read. Based on the way that question was asked, uh, so what ordered. does that mean? That it that perhaps
1: people would say they want some additional restrictions to abortion? Would that be your supposition? Not, that would be mine. Yeah, I mean,
4: past polling has said said has said said uh, I think seventy up to seventy seventy percent of Americans. These are national polls. Has said that that they they, they 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 favor. A woman's right to abortion, with some
1: restrictions. Julianne, that does seem to be the case, doesn't it? And it's interesting because our law here really essentially outlaws abortion, and yet, as Jim points out, the national mood, at least, and perhaps the Georgia mood, is more inclined toward. You know, we're not altogether comfortable with abortion. We'd like there to be some more restrictions, but we don't want it overturned.
0: Right. I think that I think that if people were polled more deeply on this, you would find more people uh, weighing in on the fact that they would like to see restrictions on later term abortions, um, because I think that that's how the majority of Americans are polling, um, especially third trimester abortions. And it didn't really get into that. It used the word completely, which I think, um, I I don't think you would see numbers any different by using that sort of terminology, um, because there is a a general acceptance across the United States that they want to see some, and this isn't my belief, okay, I want to preface it by saying that, but there is a general um, acceptance across the United States that they want to see some form of legalization. However, um, there is a definite disdain, I believe, in the general populace for late-term abortion in the third trimester.
1: And, of course, Darshan, Democrats like you are hopeful that uh, the 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 law which essentially outlaws abortion here, and which of course is still going to go through right. lower court tests before it maybe ends up at the Supreme Court, that that because people do not favor a an outlaw outlawing abortion entirely, it's going to help you in the uh, 2020 election cycle.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, of course, as a Democrat, I'm I'm always hopeful for that, but. Politics aside, I mean, um, I've been very vocal that aside from politics and, and hopefully gaining the House back, um, I see it more as a public policy issue focused on women and their health and their autonomy and all those decisions that come with being a, a full human being. So it w- might help us in the in the upcoming election. I hope it does. But I hope it it also spurs a, a wider conversation about women's rights.
1: Um Let's talk about another question in here. Do you support or oppose removing Confederate monuments and statues from public spaces around Georgia? Again, Jim, this is a very broad question, and I guess when I look at these questions again in the light as we're sitting here on the air, it it occurs to me that to some extent the, the writers of these questions did not drill down into, you know, the more into more depth in terms of what Georgians might be confronted with. So, for instance, uh, well, let me just read you the figures on this. Um, the the it, in, it, people either somewhat or strongly oppose removing Confederate monuments by like 56, 58 percent, something like that, and only about 35, 36 uh, percent support removing monuments. But the reason that's a little bit too generalized is it doesn't take into say, consideration somebody like a Michael Thurmond, who says, "Don't remove these monuments; put them in context." Right, and the other the other question that it doesn't
4: address is, of course, uh, is uh, is uh, uh, what is the public obligation toward these monuments, especially when they're on public ground, when they're on and on 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 the face of Stone Mountain, when they're on the DeKalb County Courthouse Square. You know, if if it's uh, there, there is a a, a difference between a uh, monument being on, on private, private uh, property and then uh, monument being on, on public property.
3: I I also think too that um, it's interesting. Uh, the numbers were um, almost the same uh, when they questioned last year, and yeah. I I think if you you know we tend to in politics react to what's before us at that time. Uh, and yeah, this is, this is a Georgia figure, but you know, I'm, I'm not, the Charlottesville incident was, was that two years ago? It was
4: two years ago. That was 2017.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I think in 2017, the numbers may have been Mm. higher Mm -hmm. and then things sort of settle out. And, uh, I think, you know, two years of similar numbers, I think these are probably about accurate. I think it's like a 60, 40 question.
2: Yeah, I'm assuming they're referring to the bill that we passed uh, this past session that protects um, monuments. Um, but to everybody's point, I think the question would have gotten a better response if you could have put it in, in context because um, I just can't believe that 58% strongly oppose um, removing Confederate monuments, especially given all the sort of hypertensive. Um, Perspective that we're in now with everything that's going on. I, I think
4: what a what a what a, a more interesting question would have been: uh, Does a does a local community have the right to decide whether a a Confederate marker shall
1: remain up or not? Julianne? I agree. I yeah.
0: think that that would have been an excellent question.
1: All right. So what we're saying here around this table is that the. Uh, numbers that I'm reading to you are less important than the lousy questions that NEC... <laughs> <laughs> the well, well, we're, we're just saying a certain amount of thoughtfulness
0: <laughs> might have been Could, them better. Well, I mean, just... Uh, um, just. For a split second, going back to the abortion question, they didn't even mention life of the mother or health of the mother or rape or incest. So there's really no way to get an idea of how people really feel about it. Okay,
1: fair enough. I do want to take on a couple more aspects of this. And I'm really leading to the one question that I'm looking forward to hearing your response to. But before I get there, do you approve or disapprove of the way Brian Kemp is handling his job as governor of Georgia? There are four categories. Let me read you the four (laughs) And not try to somehow, you know, lump them all together. Strongly approve, 30%. Somewhat approve, 31%. Somewhat disapprove, 19%. Strongly disapprove, 18%. So, Jim, yes, if you lump together strongly and somewhat in each category, uh, Kemp does... Pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. In the he same does. way that he did pretty well in the poll from Morning Consult that we read about right, last right, Friday. Right, right, right. Just two things. Number one, we're not talking about registered voters. We're not talking right.
4: about li- likely voters. The other part is the somewhat approve. I, I have not... Seen that in a in a polling question? Do you somewhat approve? Yeah. What does that no, mean? I I somewhat approve of Bill Nygard, but I am I, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I, you know, but I'm, you know, but I'm not going to endorse everything that you do. So so yeah, that would you know I would I'd be happy to go with that.
1: Oh, I don't know. I think Julianne somewhat and strongly are fairly standard uh, buckets in which some polls are put. But how do you what do you say about the fact that the new Republican governor seems to be polling pretty well based on two now polls. Mornings consult, and then this one.
0: Yeah, we're back to about a sixty forty again. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd
4: go. I'd, I'd go more with the morning consult at fifty two. Yeah, and it's, this this But state. still, mm-hmm. it's
0: a, it's
3: an improvement, and I think it just shows that you know we're away from the election. He had a uh, you know went through his first legislative session. And I think the other number you have to look at in the poll, and I, I hope this isn't the question you were going to, but no. um, is the economy. People feel that the economy is is going well here in, in Georgia. Yeah. And I think that that really impacts the view of the governor, who's the chief executive of the state.
1: Darshan, we pointed out when we did the morning consult poll Friday. And morning consult is the polling arm of Politico, the, the online web uh, political publication. Which, by the way, gets a very high rating from 538, which is really kind of the gold standard Mm -hmm. in determining which polls are believable or not. Uh, And we pointed out that uh, their polling of Kemp's popularity mostly didn't include the period. It was done largely before 481 he signed into law. And there's a sense that who knows how it's going to affect that standing, that, that law.
2: Yeah, um, that that is definitely uh, something I think is 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 having an effect on the poll. But I also wonder, you know, sort of who are they asking and and around what time this poll happened? Because, as you know, the governor is being very strategic, at least in the African-American community, which is 30 percent of the population in appointing um, black uh, judges and black D.A.s um, and black people in general. Um, So I wonder if. When you say somewhat approve, you're thinking about that one friend they got a, appointed to um, a judgeship or something like that, because I get the sense from the people that I'm around, and obviously I'm a lawyer um that that people were happy with his most recent appointment. so they could have an effect on it.
3: But you know, well. in this state, especially with African American voters, if you look back in history, Republican office holders end up doing better with African Americans after they've held office. And voters actually see, what they do when they're in office like the appointments that you just referenced mm-hmm. and i think brian is who the gov- governor kemp is benefiting from that
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the other only other individual that i want to talk about before i get to the question that i really was looking forward to hearing your answers to is uh, the, the trump approval numbers in georgia julianne had, according according the last time the ajc polled trump and this has been a while now You had him way down in the mid-30s in terms of approval, Mm -hmm. and this was well over a year ago, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was probably January. Okay, all right, all right, so not quite as long as I had thought, but months and months ago. Uh, According to the NBC SurveyMonkey poll, his (laughs) approval numbers, he's strongly approved 33, somewhat approved 15, so that's not bad. Uh, somewhat disapprove. He's at 51% of disapprove or somewhat disapprove. Uh, f- and he's about 48 at approval. That's a much higher number than right. the AJC I gave see. him, Julianne.
0: It is a higher number. And you, re- when it comes to Donald Trump, if there's one thing that we've learned, it's that you can't go by polling. I think we learned that in 2016. Um, so I, I think that the numbers are good. And I mean, I think that that Georgians in general are happy with the economy. I mean, just talking to a lot of the people I speak with, I mean, they're excited. Over 6 million jobs created. Um, 50%, I don't know if you know this or not, but 50% of all of the donations coming to the Donald Trump campaign are from women. And uh, of all of the startup businesses, over 60% of the entrepreneur startup businesses are headed up by women. I think
1: we get the feeling, Darshan. (laughs) <laughs> that at this meeting in Pennsylvania the Republican Trump women came up with some very good talking points oh, well, to argue and they are true
2: they are true i, 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 I wasn't
1: <laughs> suggesting they weren't
2: <laughs> yeah well you know again we we can't um rely on the polls but you know i i think that uh, given our current demographic uh, feel and the things that have been happening around the nation, I, I have made it a life mission to make sure Donald Trump is out of office by uh, 2020 or even before, which is a whole nother uh, discussion. Eric,
3: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, really, the question that was not asked was comparing Donald Trump to any of these other Democratic yes, candidates. Yes. Because I think that's where you really see the, the middle, the somewhat approved, the somewhat disapproved. I think you've given a choice between Donald Trump and almost all of these Democratic candidates. I think you'll find that the state is still a right of center state.
1: Well, and that leads me to the question I was looking forward to hearing your thoughts on. If the Democratic primary or caucus in your state were being held today, and the following candidates were running, who would you vote for? And here's what the Georgia results were. Joe Biden, 31%. Kamala Harris, 15%. Elizabeth Warren, 13 Bernie Sanders, 12%. Pete Buttigieg, 5 And then from there, it just falls off the earth. I mean, nobody after <laughs> that has much more than four. Many of them have zero. So, Darshan... Joe Biden, as he's done in so many other early polls of states, is holding on to a fairly commanding lead in Georgia. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. Um, uh, he, he started out, um, you know, many people wanted him to run last time. So I'm not surprised he's the one with the m- most name recognition. Recognition. Obviously, he has the friendship with our first and best president ever, President Barack Obama.
1: (laughs) Um, Wait, better than Abraham Lincoln, George Washington? Are you ready to go that far? (laughs) Okay,
2: while while I have been alive, and I haven't been alive that long, right? Um, But but that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Um, He's still very very strong with the African American community, still strong with um, with the uh, the women bloc. So um, I I think he's going to hold on to it. I'm not sure if he took a dip over his past remarks about working with segregationists, um, so it would be nice to see those numbers. Well, I, I think, he, I think, I think he did,
4: he's moved past that. I think he did take a dip, but I think he's also benefiting from some kind of sobering thoughts on the Democratic side mm-hmm. about what it's going to take to, to, to right. beat Donald Trump in, in 2020. I think this New York Times article that came out, I think just as the weekend was breaking, which says that it's, t- it's very much possible for Donald Trump to win Re-election with the electoral college and still finish up to five uh, percent below in in the
1: in in the popular the vote. The you're right. Wow. The Times article, Jim says he could lose the popular vote and by I think five is, million votes, wow. two more and, than he did to clerk, and still win. And
4: yeah. and I think that is that's waking some Democrats up about about uh, who who had previously been saying, "Oh, we can do this all from the left side."
3: I, I think I think you, y'all are off. I think it's way too early. I think all these numbers show is just name ID. I think Kamala Harris has bumped up a little because of her little spat she had with Biden in the last debate. I think you should look back to when Barack Obama ran against Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton at probably this stage in the election was probably ahead. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is all, it's way too early. And I think, uh, you know, elections uh, are about the future. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, Joe Biden, just like Hillary Clinton, was sort of perceived as the are apparent. And I, I think that, you know, the Democratic Party, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, a whole lot more about the Democrats than I do, but I got to think that they're going to look for someone who's going to provide some energy and not look back to someone who's been on the stage for decades.
0: Mm-hmm. And someone who's more reflective of the Democratic right. Party today. And I just think that Joe Biden is far too moderate. When compared with the way that the Democratic Party is moving the direction, do you think of the that's true in Georgia
1: as well? I mean, I understand that there's a feeling nationally that that voters, Democratic voters, want a more progressive candidate. But if you focus on, say, the Georgia uh, pr- presidential primary at the end of next March, do you think Georgia voters are also looking for the most progressive candidate? And it was Stacey Abrams and the way she ran her campaign
3: I, I, an example of that. I, 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 look, the Democratic Party in Georgia is a progressive socialist. L- Leaning whoa, 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 liberal whoa, 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 whoa. parties. I, I don't know
2: they're about not, all that. Wait, I mean, no, no, no. no. <laughs> no. But
3: the 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 more conservative Democrat no longer exists in Georgia. They became Republicans, and the base of the Democratic Party in this state. Look at the Senate candidates right now. You have two Senate candidates that are you know out there talking about legalization of marijuana. I mean, they're trying to see who could outleft the other. That represents the base of the Democratic Party in this state. And so I think that when they have their presidential primary, you're going to see the base of the party go for a more left-leaning candidate.
1: So let me get a Democrat. Darshan, uh, do you believe that it, 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 it? we see the numbers for Biden right now, first of all? Do you agree that these are name recognition numbers or do you believe that given his association with President Obama, his appeal to African-American voters and the fact that he isn't uh, taking positions on the extreme left, do you think these weigh in his favor with Georgia voters, unlike what Julianne and Eric are suggesting?
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of of, of a variety of things. Um, obviously, I know most of the people that are on that list and even... Knowing most of those people, I am a more of a Biden person than most people. Um, people why? might think why? Um, I consider myself actually more economically moderate than probably uh, most people would would expect me to be. Obviously, I'm I'm very socially liberal, um, but I'm also looking for and maybe this is because I've had to endure so many years of our current president. But I am I am looking for somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and sort of has the experience um, obviously people are looking at, looking for different things but I think there's a segment of the party that literally even though they might not appreciate his age or they might not appreciate that he's seen as an establishment but they literally want somebody who knows what they're doing Jim
1: I before we have to take a break and let's conclude this segment on this survey but um, You know, it's interesting that Kamala Harris increasingly is moving up into second or third position to Biden. And in a state like George, in states in the South, where the African American Democratic vote is so important, you, you have to, it's going to be interesting to see whether she is able to peel off some of those Biden voters, whether her the questions about whether she was a prosecutor who was too tough on African-Americans, uh, whether in fact she is the best choice, in the, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how that evolves. Yeah, and I, I, again, I think it's going to come down to who do you think can
4: perform better in a general election. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's interesting that Bob Trammell, the, the state house minority leader, has already endorsed her. I would still say that if if, if you want to predict what's going to happen in Georgia, keep Keep your eye on South Carolina, yeah, and yeah. and I will tell you what the Biden camp is just is 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 just
1: setting down roots in that area. Yep, yep. All right, we go ahead. One quick. No, I was uh, just going
3: to say, you know, I know Kamala Harris is trying to have broad appeal, you know, utilizing or leveraging the fact that she was the former AG, but if you look at her policies, she's putting forward very. Uh, left of center policies, and so if you add up Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, their percentage in this poll is greater than Joe Biden. Yes,
1: but mm-hmm. but only one of them is right. going to end up being the nominee, right? And so we're going to wait to see where the party stands, Julianne, in terms of its progressive bent once that nominee is selected.
0: Well, I think that that's true. But I also know that the Democratic Party is really doing a lot of uh, focusing of voter registration among millennials and, and on college campuses. Yeah. And if that is the case, do not expect millennials and, and college age kids that vote Democratic to want to support want, Joe Biden. They don't want, they're Joe? Gonna want yeah, No. They don't want they're going to be voting a lot more left <laughs> like the Senate. Even Even
1: even you and Darshan have just agreed on an important (laughs) point. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break. Eric Tannenblatt, you said this off the air. So I'm not going to ask. I I am going to ask you whether you want to share with us on the air who you think the secret weapon of the Democratic uh, group of candidates might
3: be. I I think it's Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. And the reason being (laughs) is that I think he is the sort of the turtle, the slow guy that is building. Uh, A financial war chest, so he's going to have the staying power. He's smart, and I think he's just going to keep his head down and let these others all battle it out.
1: All right, there's Tannenblatt. He says Pete Buttigieg will uh, put a mark on this date to see uh, if you predicted it well ahead of time. we (laughs) got to take a break. Uh, We're done with uh, polling for right now. We'll come back, and we have a lot more on Political Rewind.
4: Are you thinking of getting rid of your old car, truck, or RV? GPB's vehicle donation program is here to help. Donating has never been easier. We'll take care of everything, including free pickup of your vehicle. Just go to gpb.org/cars or call 877-GPB-1CAR. That's 877-472-1227, and thanks so much. Beep, beep.
0: Heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S. On the next Fresh Air, we talk about recent breakthroughs in treating and preventing heart failure with Dr. Haider Vraich, cardiologist and author of the new book, State of the Heart. We'll also talk about how the understanding of healthy blood pressure and good cholesterol is still evolving. Join us.
4: Fresh Air is this afternoon at 3 on GPP and online at gpbnews.org or ask your smart speaker to play GPB.
1: Jim Galloway, Brandon Beach, Republican senator from up in Alpharetta, is one of the candidates running for the Republican nomination for the sixth district congressional seat now held by Lucy McBath. One of his opponents, of course, is the woman who used to hold that seat for 15 months after winning a special election, Karen Handel. Um, So Beach hasn't really been aggressively attacking Handel throughout the early stages of this campaign. And yet, he went on a radio show that comes out of Washington D.C. A, a, a personality who used to have a show in some station here—I'm not sure which one—and he really went after her in this sort of in this out-of-town uh, show, which I thought was an odd venue to begin an attack on an opponent. So have we got sound coming or? Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear the sound right away? Galloway, uh, Tom, move over. Galloway wants to be the co-producer of the show. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think that's great. I think. All right. So here's the thing. Um. He was on a Washington, D.C. radio show. Uh, the host is a guy named John Fredericks. Are you aware of, of this guy? Yes. Where did yeah. he do his show? Here I in,
0: don't even remember. Atlanta. All right. Uh, I don't.
4: But, 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 uh, but, uh, but uh, it's a radio show, but it's also got a, 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 a heavy, web-
1: heavy Internet audience. Yes, a web audience. Huh. Okay. So Fredericks, as you will hear, uh, doesn't much like Karen Handel. And uh, he uh, started criticizing Handel, Fredericks did, and then Beach joined in. And you'll hear from both of them. First, you'll hear Brandon Beach talk about why he thinks Karen Handel's not the one for for the nomination. And then you'll hear uh, John Frederick. Let's listen. Karen won in a special election against a guy named John Ossoff,
4: who didn't. He was right out of college, didn't live in the district, and she barely won that race. And then 15 months later, lost to Lucy McBath, an airline stewardess, an airline flight attendant who... Uh, actually lived in Tennessee and she lost that seat with $8.3 million in an incumbent. And I would agree with you. I think one of the reasons she lost, she distanced herself from President Trump and uh, would not embrace President Trump and his policies.
3: Also, you know, when, when uh, Karen ran it in the midterms in 2018, she ran away from Trump's tax cut. I mean, this is how bizarre her campaign was. Not only did she run away from the President and she's a never-Trumper, she ran away from his tax cut for heaven's sakes, which has been at the core of the biggest economic boom in 50 years. She would be such a disaster again. And aren't the people just tired of her?
1: Jim, what do you make of both of those guys? <laughs>
4: well, well, number one, and, and Eric, you're, you're going to have to, to help me with my memory here. I think Karen Handel, even though she lost to Lucy McBath, she outperformed Donald Trump in the 6th District she in 20, 2018. So, so there's there's that. Uh, what I find interesting in this in this race, and in, in it, it's you see it in in emails and all these little uh, uh, microaggressions that all the candidates are, are are into right now, is is that they are all. Uh, this is a, in if you recall in when when Karen Handel faced John Ossoff in in 2017, the the big question was how how tightly was she going to to tie herself to, to Donald Trump and 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 you'll recall that I think it, at at one one Trump rally she she kind of w- was backstage and had a had a photograph uh with him. Yes. And in this race it's going to be how closely can you tie yourself to Trump. And and you see you see uh, uh 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 Marjorie Green Taylor doing it, you see Brandon Beach doing it, and you see Karen Handel doing
1: it. Yeah. Um Julianne you you know I Brandon Beach, you you work at the legislature. You do a lot of lobbying down at the legislature. Brandon Beach is not the kind of guy you would normally think would pick up on an attack that is so strident at this point. It does tell me something about where campaigning is headed this election cycle more (laughs) than ever. Um, But I don't think it's quite true. I don't think she distanced herself from Trump. And to the best of my recollection, she did not oppose the Trump tax cuts. Your take on this?
0: Well, first of all, she ran for the sixth congressional district. She didn't, you know, she wasn't running as a running mate with Donald Trump. She was running for her own seat. So uh, that being said, um, there there was a recent NRCC poll that shows her as the only Republican primary candidate that could beat McBath at 46 to 42 percent. So, when you couple that with the fact that, let's see, she she raised $550,000 in 100 days, uh, which it's is it's cumulatively it's, it's, more yeah,
4: than Yeah, that's, that's, that's a number that's been a l- pumped a little bit. But.
0: Well, she does have double the primary cash on hand, um, mm-hmm. and most of his cash is general cash. So I think that a lot of <laughs> what you're seeing as far as the primary back and forth has to do with the fact that she's ahead in the polls.
3: Eric? Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, you know, and I have two distinguished members of the media here, but sometimes when uh, you're being interviewed, you can get caught up Mm -hmm. in what the interviewer is saying. And so, you know, you learn. They call it being led. Yes. And so (laughs) I think some some of that may have happened. And, you know, I don't know that Brandon was able to fact check. I, I should also point out that, you know, in fairness to Karen. That when she ran uh, in that Ossoff race, she had to run a primary a primary runoff before she got to the special election. And so that was not no, – there was no runoff? It was just
4: no, a, no, no, it was just a special election, election. and then a, then a runoff, special election runoff.
3: Yeah. Okay. And the most
0: do. expensive in history.
3: Right, yeah. right. right. Okay, but right. she had she had to be the Republican in that runoff. I mean, it was a nonpartisan yes, special yeah. election. right, right. First two vote-getters. So she had to beat back all the others. So – you know, she had to then replace her coffers, and yes, it was the most uh, expensive. I think, look, to win the primary in this district, clearly Brandon uh, is trying to outright Karen, and you know, you're going to have more Trump supporters in the primary. It's going to be a little different in that district when you get into the general election. Well, what's
1: interesting about Brandon Beach is, and he does it in this interview as well, until perhaps he's led by this guy, if that's how you want to frame this, <laughs> fine, uh, is he does talk about that how involved he was with infrastructure, building roads, and how interested he was in, in mass transit when he was in the legislature. And he says that's an important part of what he wants to run on. And so this turn to the right... And this kind of harsh attack, as I said, Jim, strikes me as an example of where we're all headed this in is, campaigns it's, it's, in 2020. It's, it's, it's,
4: this is the difficulty the Republicans are going to have in this in this contest: is threading that needle. Yeah, is is proving that they are, they are ideologically uh, pure as far as the, the the Trump litmus test is concerned. But you've also got the this this is this is this is a very practical. Uh, 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 population of Republicans here. They, they, you know, they, they, they want to see things work, and that's where that's where Beach was going with his infrastructure yeah, stuff.
1: That's right, uh, Darshan. I want to make one more point. We're going to get to another break in a sec, but I'll tell you what. What, what you know really caught my attention. Um, and Republicans want women. They want Julianne wants women to go to the Republican Party. I get it. She's a former stewardess. As a demeaning, as if it's a demeaning thing that she worked in the industry. And then he corrects me, she was a stewardess, a flight attendant. I've got to say that to me, that seemed not what Brandon Beach is kind of like as a person, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm uh, obviously, um, even though I'm in the House and he's in the Senate, I'm, I am surprised by that, and to tell you the truth we have some of the most, one of the most effective legislators, Representative Pam Dickerson, is also a flight attendant yeah. um, she has been effective in passing cybersecurity bills and all types of things, so um, this is just another example of, of making sure that the party that women affiliate with, that they, they recognize the they Julianne, you
1: think that I, I'm picking up on something that isn't there? <laughs> I, I, do. I saw your face.
0: <laughs>
2: I do. Um, I, I mean, I think
0: that I think that most certainly he was trying to to get Beach to say some things, but. Um,
1: well, Noah's Beach, who said she's a Oh, former I, I apologize. Stewardess. I thought it was John Frederick no, no, that it said was, that it was, no, it was but Brandon. I think
3: I think that was just a slip of the tongue. I don't think that that's I don't think, look, I know Brandon Brandon is Brandon is a good guy. and but he's, Brandon is not I, I, he corrected himself afterwards. I think that's a joke but, but,
2: but he but he still made it seem like being a flight attendant is yes, under. Yes. that's not it's not about the words. It's about him saying that profession is is yeah. like you can't you can't possibly govern because you're a flight attendant. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's like
1: that. All right. Galloway, did you want to weigh in or do you want to be quiet? No, I'm staying out of this one. I'm, (laughs) I'm far away. Let's do this. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way and come back with more on Political Rewind. Hey, this is David Green, host of Morning Edition. I'm here to talk with you about that poking feeling, the one that keeps reminding you to support public radio. You can support the programs you love by donating your used vehicle. That old car or truck could be worth hundreds of dollars to this station. All you have to do is call, and
3: you might even receive a tax deduction. Go to gpb.org cars or call 877-GPB1CAR and thanks.
0: The key to replacing fossil fuels with solar and wind energy on a grand scale comes down to batteries. Scientists are working to develop batteries that are both good and cheap.
3: We know that our time is limited, so we are dedicated to carrying out even basic research with much greater urgency than in the past.
0: I'm Elsa Chang. Why we need batteries to slow climate change. This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
1: 4
4: till 7 today on GPB and online at gpbnews.org.
1: Uh, Jim Galloway, let's take up one issue fairly quickly, because we've certainly spent a lot of time over the months, and so has the AJC, talking about some of the problems David Ralston, as Speaker of the House, has been running into. Uh, your uh, paper your colleagues investigated uh, quite some time ago now, the fact that uh, he uh, takes advan- took advantage of the ability that a legislator, and certainly he, as Speaker of the House, have, as lawyers... To delay trials on the basis that they have legislative business that makes that necessary, it got to be such a major issue that the Speaker eventually had to take the floor, come down to the well and say, I don't think I did anything wrong, but I'm promoting rules. I'll support a bill that will change the way things are right, done. Right. Right. He promised he would not take any more criminal cases
4: until until uh, the, the ones that had been delayed were settled. This is the last
1: one. And, and w- unfortunately, it's it's one that your paper again reported over the weekend. It's a, it's a little one. troubling. Why? Right. Right. It, this is a this is a, a
4: case that's been delayed for what? Uh, 14, Fourteen years. Fourteen years. And uh, and basically, a a, 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 a an evangelical yeah, traveling preacher, uh, traveling preacher who uh, 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 molested a young lady, is is
1: is, is uh, won't get any jail time. Fourteen years later, Darshan, he has now admitted that he, in fact, he says, "I groped her." And what it's done is, and, and the AJC, you know, has kept this story, has kept investigating this. It's, I wonder. You you're, you serve in his body. Do you think the Speaker of the House is, as these stories continue to uh, be reported, does he face any genuine trouble in holding on either to his position as House Speaker or uh, in, his, in an, his reelection campaign?
2: Well, I don't. I, I can't speak to his re-election campaign because I don't know anything about his district. All all I can give is the sentiments in the house. And listen, I'm a lawyer legislator, just like the uh, yeah. like the speaker is. Um. And and obviously, I um I can give you the perspective of the um, people that are sort of in my circle that I that I speak to. Um. But I think that there is more, much more than the beginning of session or much more than the end of session. At first I just thought that this was going to be one of these things that blows over because ever since I've been elected 8 years ago there's always been a story and it always blows over. But this year something was different and it stuck and it compounded and I've never seen anything like this. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Do
4: I I think what you're going to see is uh, a a test case if you will and it's a it's a it's a September 3rd Special election to fill the House seat of uh, David Stover yeah. Stovall Stovall, uh, Stover. a Republican out of Noonan, and you've got uh, right now you've got uh, three Republicans. You've got uh, Marcy Sackerson, uh, Philip Singleton, and Nina Black Weldon uh, Weldon there, and you have a Democrat, Jill Proudy. If the Democrat uses uh, Ralston, if one of the Republicans use Ralston to to go after another uh, candidate, say, uh, condemning uh, one one or the other for support, I think that's going to
1: matter a whole lot. All right, we're going to watch that. But you know what's interesting about this, Julianne, is that Ralston has been, and I think uh, Darshan would would agree with me, but but I'll ask you first. Ralston has been pretty well received by both Democrats and Republicans in the in the House because he's considered fair, pretty fair-minded. He has been, a, a, he's he stopped some of the legislation that the Senate, that some think was too extreme in the Senate. I would think there are probably some conservative Republicans who have more problems with Ralston than the Democrats in the body. So this isn't really a partisan issue in many ways, is it?
0: Well, ultimately, when it comes to the Speaker, it's up to the Republican caucus. But um, sp- taking the Speaker and putting him aside, what is sad about the situation to me is that there is a 14-year-old child who, in this case, that is being used as political ping-pong right now. And that is extremely unfair. And it's, and I, I w- would really love to ask an attorney since since the uh, the, the legislature yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah how how this um this right to put off uh these court cases doesn't that interfere with the right to a speedy trial i mean for the victim as well as the accused
2: yeah so um the, the statute that was used is is state law um and the essential, essentially essentially mandates that um, at least cases that are going on on the state level be put off until a certain time after the session. I have not... Examine it because I don't do criminal law at all. I don't go to court at all, so I haven't had that um, that comparison or that or that question come come up. Um, but as you know, when we talk about a speedy trial, I always put it in quotes because who dis- gets to decide what a speedy trial is, right? So, um, but that's the uh, that's obviously a, a a very good question. And he did. We did end up passing a bill yeah. that essentially now, if you request it the um, the uh, opposing counsel or the DA or whoever has a certain time period by which to object to you using what we call legislative leave before it was almost mandated like you had to give them to. So that was the change that you're talking about.
1: Um, Eric, the, one of the things about this story that, that becomes more difficult, I think, to, to uh, for the speaker is the family of this girl, and she is still a girl, uh, say that her life, was just completely upended by this that she hasn't been the same ever since so you know when there's a victim presented it it always makes a story more difficult but but let me go back to the question I asked you asked generally in general um Ralston's been well liked as speaker and there are a lot of reasons why people I think on both sides of the aisle would like to see him stay on aren't there
3: Well, sure. And I mean, after this last election, he was the one with the institutional knowledge because we elected a new governor and a new lieutenant governor. Uh, And he has done a very effective job as speaker. That's not an easy job uh, because you're the speaker of the whole house. You're not just that you're elected by the members of, you know, the Republican caucus and then the entire house. But, you know, you're the speaker for the whole house. And it's a it's a difficult you know, needle the thread, and he has effectively done it. And I think if you talk to Democrats, and I got one sitting right here, you know, I, I think you probably have had a good experience over the eight years in the House in terms of dealing with the Speaker. You may not have agreed with him all the time, but my sense is he's probably treated you with respect.
2: Mm-hmm. True? No, no, I would definitely agree All
3: with right.
1: Um, Jim, we're almost out of time. Um, we had two incidents over the weekend that show us just how on edge everybody is as a result of a terrible week last week in which uh, some believe the President Trump was expressing racist sentiments. Many people do. Others say that's not true at all. I don't want to get into that part of it again, but I do say out in Gwinnett County, you had the vice chair of the Gwinnett Democratic Party uh, having bumper seats at a public swoop, uh, parking lot. She comes out. Her pro-democratic bumper stickers are covered by an I heart Trump uh, bumper sticker, and the driver, and the guy who apparently put those there, according to a police investigation, then followed her in her car for a number Brain. of miles, mm-hmm. and then you have this incident out in uh, in um, in West Cobb County where Erica Thomas, state rep, says that a man confronted her uh, because she was in a ten. 10- Items are less line with too many items and told her to go back where she came from. He says, that's not what he said. She's changed her story. I don't know what the truth is on these things, but it sure says we're on edge.
4: Yeah, yeah, especially in this latter one with, with in, uh, out in Cobb County, which is out which is out in my territory. Yeah. and And listen, if you know there's a lot of he said she said stuff and and you got promises oh we can provide witnesses i, I i'd really i i'd i'd want to get past this one i can tell you that the agreement there there is agreement that there was an altercation in which a a a, a white fellow said some unpleasant things to a, a a pregnant woman who was standing in line with too many express too, what he co- thought were too many items in the express lane. He
1: calls himself a Democrat, and, and, and he was and born and in, in Cuba. That, and, and so I don't, I, don't right. I don't
4: care about that. I don't care about that. I mean, what I care is somebody going going uh, going off uh, on a on a, another fellow human being over something the average grocery store employee does not care. Darshan, about.
1: you're nodding.
2: Right, I think that's the root of it. It's like um let's let's forget about you know the he said she said stuff the fact that after this was reported, so many people um totally believed um that this could happen in america and 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 responded so viscerally I mean, you had the state GOP that sent, sent out um a horrible email and then you had um democrats rallying to her side the fact that we are at this point where we believe that something like this could happen in america is uh, something i'd never but it's also
1: a case julianne where we're also eager to jump to the conclusions that support our own partisan views and that's what troubles me deeply about this sort of thing on both sides
0: well, I'm part of the state GOP, and I didn't see any email that was sent out. At I, can
1: all. See, I
2: can send it to you. That would be great. I would really love to yeah, see. Yeah, I it.
1: wasn't aware of any official state email, which in which they said what basically. Oh.
2: Well, i right. have, have to pull it up. All right, <laughs> we'll
1: see. We'll follow up on this. But, but, but
0: we you- are in a, in a definite vitriolic environment on both sides of the aisle. I think I've explained to you things that have happened to my daughter yes. at her school. And um, when she had to testify before the State Senate Higher Education Committee on the treatment of conservative students on college campuses in Georgia. And after one of her classes one day, there were some um, left-leaning activists students waiting for her outside of one of her classes that shouted things at her and followed her to her car so i mean this this happens and it is extremely unfortunate and unacceptable
1: but it doesn't help and i know i we're about to run out of time Um, So I can't even go there. I I, I can't even talk to you about whether President Trump encourages this sort of behavior or not. But I can do this, Eric. You're in a law firm with Democrats and Republicans. You figure out a way to talk amicably, to work together collegially every single day. How do we do it?
3: Well, I think people just need to stop talking uh, past each other. And, you know, I, you know I've, I've always been, from a policy standpoint, a big believer that the competition of ideas is a good thing and that the best ideas bubble up. I think we've gotten a little too personal right now. And uh, I think everyone just needs to tone it down.
1: All right. Um I said it the other day on this show, I just can't remember a time when I was sadder about the discourse in this country than I am today. And you know what? When I say that in here, you all nod because I think we all feel exactly the same, whether we're uh, working on behalf of President Trump's re-election, hoping that he doesn't get re-elected. And I appreciate that you come into this studio, everybody. And you talk amicably and respectfully with one another. And I just, it makes me feel good that that's what this show is able to send out to listeners. Okay, I have done enough preaching in the last few days on this show. I promise it's time to get past that. And we'll be back at 2 o'clock tomorrow when we will get past that. This is Political Rewind. See you then.